Good evening, Grace Point. Good to see everybody out there this evening. Welcome to our Thursday night teaching. We're going through the book of Matthew. Father, I ask you to open the eyes of our heart, open the eyes of our understanding, Lord, and grant us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ and your word. Lord, help me to teach um, your word accurately, Lord, and with clarity. Give me grace today, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 17. We left off at the end of Matthew 16 last week. We talked about denying yourself, you know, um, and taking up the life of Christ. We're going to move right on to chapter 17. There's a lot in here, and it's really good stuff. So let's just read verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. When Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for each of you, Moses and Elijah. I'll stop there, because um, there's a lot to say right there in this little text. And the story goes on, and we'll talk more about it. But the first thing is, notice how Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Why do you think he did that? Why didn't he take all 12 disciples? Was this just random? Well, it could have been, but it seems like um, even in the Old Testament, this wisdom is there. Um, when we train other people, say when you have a congregation, you know, you can train everybody to some degree. You can preach the gospel and train them. Then you might have a certain group of leaders that you pull in and you give them more instruction. Then you might have a pastor could have an associate pastor and a youth pastor, and then he's going to download even more into them. So, you know, I have an associate pastor and I have a youth pastor. I'm putting a lot of time in them. And then maybe the elders and our council members, I'm not putting as much in an associate pastor, but I'm putting more into them and then your congregation. And uh, Jesus worked that way. He had the 12, but he also had the 70, didn't he? And on Pentecost, there was 120 in the upper room. So those were probably the people that knew him best. And so he's taken the three Peter, James, and John, and he really is giving them more intimate instruction. Now, we know that he didn't love them any more than he loved the other disciples, other apostles. They became apostles. And, but and that's, leadership works that way because one person can only do so much. And uh, when you're mentoring, uh, you're, the, how many people you can mentor at one time would go down. Now, Jesus was preaching to great multitudes, so... The multitudes were learning from him, but his disciples, he was giving them individual instruction because he knew that he was going to be leaving the earth and they were going to be the ones that took the gospel out. Not Jesus. They were the ones that were going to take the gospel out. And it was very successful. And uh, okay, so and then another thing here that I noticed in this scripture is the supernatural, I want to remind us, the supernatural aspect of the Bible. 
It says here that Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus. Now right there it tells you, of course, Jesus was shining like the sun. It says also he was transfigured. So they're seeing the glory of God on Jesus. They're really seeing him kind of in his pre-incarnate state in a way because his glory was back on him. And then, of course, Moses and Elijah being there. Now, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets and their scriptures, you know, that talk about uh, Elijah coming before the great and terrible day of the Lord. I'll touch that here briefly. Uh, but first, I want to remind us the supernatural. Folks, you can believe that there was eyewitness testimony about Jesus and that he really existed and he did miracles and all. You can believe that. But in order to believe the Bible, you have to believe Peter, James, and John. They're the ones that obviously told this story. And actually, I believe it was probably Peter that published this story and made it famous. Because in 2 Peter, he talks about how he was with the Lord on the Holy Mount. You ever notice that? This is what he's talking about. And then also, uh, they say that Mark, his gospel, that Mark was Peter's interpreter, that Mark probably got his information from Peter. So we're getting this story. You have to believe Peter, okay, James and John, that they saw Moses and Elijah. Again, you can go through all the apologetics you want. You can teach, yeah, these are the original manuscripts, which I believe that they are. We have great copies, great historical evidence through manuscript that these are authentic manuscripts. This is authentic testimony. But still, you have to believe that Peter's telling you the truth, don't you? Okay? And uh, you have to believe his testimony that this really happened. It's supernatural is my point. Now, there's good reasons to believe Peter. We're not going to get into apologetics, but there are apologetical arguments, you know, about who Jesus is, the prophecies he fulfilled, the messianic prophecies he fulfilled. Isaiah 53, Psalms 16, Psalms 22, and Genesis, I think it's 49.5. It's in chapter 49. Maybe 5 isn't the right verse. But all these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. So there's good reasons to believe that this was really Jesus. But to believe this story, we're believing Peter. So there's a supernatural aspect to the Bible. And it's amazing, much of the modern church has taken away the supernatural aspect of the Bible. They believe that Peter saw Moses and Elijah. They believe that Moses parted the Red Sea. They believe that Elijah raised the dead because they believe those stories. They believe Paul did miracles. And they believe Peter did miracles. Jesus said that the body of Christ would do miracles. He put no time limit on it. He said, those that believe in me, the works that I do, they'll do also. But much of the modern church don't even teach miracles. They don't even teach the supernatural. And yet the Bible is supernatural from beginning to end. If you take out the supernatural, you wipe out the testimony of the Bible. And a lot of the modern church does that. Paul says that in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but
but they will deny the power thereof. What is the power of the Holy Spirit? You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay? The power and the miracles come from the Holy Spirit and His power working in us. Now, I've said this a lot. I've given this scripture a lot. I'm just reminding us again because we're really going slowly through the, these texts in Matthew. But Paul in 1 Corinthians, again, he says that in chapter 4, he says, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. If it was in power then, it's in power now. So we should be expecting the power of God. Some people, I've heard people say more than one. I've heard many preachers, many testimonies, and people say they've seen angels. Now, I don't know that I've ever seen an angel personally, but the reason I believe that's possible and probable, and the, the people that are telling me when they're um, solid witnesses, I believe them because... If they saw angels in the Bible, there's no reason why you wouldn't see angels now. Amen? Now, I'll put a little warning on that. Paul said, if an angel or a man preaches any other gospel, then what I'm giving to you, let him be a curse. So if someone tells me an angel told him something and it doesn't line up with the scriptures, obviously I am not going to believe it. You should know that by now. I'm a word man. I believe the Bible is the word of God. This is my plumb line is the word of God. I just want to encourage us to understand that the Bible's supernatural. Your being saved is supernatural. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is supernatural. And your walk with God is supernatural if you have faith to believe it. Amen? Brian, how, how long have I gone? I wonder if I should break a new topic. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, I'll just introduce something here, then, then we'll close it up. Okay. So Peter uh, is just kind of rambling. I, I think that one text says he was afraid. So he's starting to ramble. And then when he was speaking, a cloud overshadowed him. Again, this is what he talked about in 2 Peter. A cloud overshadowed him, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud. There again, we got the supernatural happening. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Now here, here we go again. It says, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. The greatest miracle and supernatural act in the Bible that every Christian must believe is that Jesus rose from the dead. And what makes this the greatest miracle, because Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. The widow of uh, Zarephath, her, uh, or the widow of, where was she from? Anyway, her son died. He was risen from the dead, but he died again. And all the Old Testament uh, people that were risen from the dead, they died again. 
Jesus rose from the dead, got a glorified body, and he, will, he never died again. And, and everybody that's a true believer will eventually, on that great day, will be risen from the dead bodily. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. A bodily resurrection. But Jesus rose from the dead bodily after three days, and he is the first fruits. He's the first one that got a new resurrected body. And that he lives in that body now, this resurrected body. All the people that have gone to heaven, the spirits of the just that have gone to heaven, they don't have their resurrected body yet. They're just pure spiritual beings. They have a mind and all this. When Christ returns, we're all going to get a resurrected body. So again, this is supernatural. Believe for your miracle. Believe if it happened in the Bible, it can happen to you. God's no respecter of a person. Believe that you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Believe that you can pray and God will answer your prayers. He says over and over and over again that he does answer your prayer. If you do not believe God answers your prayers, then you are not orthodox and you are not a believer. Because Jesus over and over again tells his people that he will answer their prayers. He is not even subtle about it. And not just one scripture or two or three dozens of scriptures tell you, if you pray in faith, believing that God hears and answers your prayers on the basis of faith. So don't let go of the supernatural. You know, maybe you're not far along in your journey with God, but continue to press in and get to know God better so you know what he's willing to do for you and what he's already done. We'll stop right there. And we'll pick up right there next week.